me, and she serves on the NCMI team. She's a recognized gift of ministry to the body of Christ, and, um, and I, obviously I'm going to be biased, but I honestly feel like she has one of the most impacting speaking ministries in terms of really having something to give. And for those of you who preach, you kind of understand what I'm about to say. You tend to have kind of a theme that God gives you in your ministry, and no matter what you preach on, that theme is going to come out. She's going to be preaching that theme to us this morning, growing your capacity. Uh, sure, it's, you know, this morning, this afternoon. But if you want to be carnal and you think about, you know, time frames and that kind of, no, okay, okay I'm being stupid. She's going to be speaking uh, something that I know is, is uh, deep in her that God began to establish in her life when he was calling us to South Africa now nine or ten years ago. So, Minda, go for it. Can I pray for you? So let's pray for, um, for Minda and just that the Lord would speak exactly what he wants to speak. Father, we thank you that uh, your word says that when you ascended into heaven, you gave gifts to men. And uh, uh, representations of yourself and your ministry, you gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers to equip your people for works of service. And uh, Lord, we want to recognize that you have given such a gift to this lady in you. I mean, in her dwells a gift, a representation of you here on the earth to equip your church. Lord, we want to hear from you, the head of the church tonight. Lord, we pray as she speaks, let it be the mouth of Jesus. Let us hear what you are saying. Let the result of the next few minutes as she shares her heart let it be that your church is built into your calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I, a few weeks ago, you may remember that um, Aaron and Melanie were uh, sharing some things at the close of a service with things they had felt for individuals. And I remember Aaron referred to a scripture that's one of my favorite ones that I just thought I'd open with tonight. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to turn to a lot of scriptures, so I'll tell you which one you might want to turn to. But this one I just wanted to mention. It says, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And Aaron was sharing that with us because he wanted to just emphasize that God is always speaking to us, that his thoughts are always towards us. His, he always has thoughts that are flowing from heaven, that he wants us to hear his communication to us. And so I just wanted to share that because there's a lot in my story that I'm going to share this afternoon. And so I'm going to refer a lot to God saying something or God speaking something or God impressing something on my heart. And I just wanted to give a frame, framework for that, a reference point for that, that as believers and here in this local church, we believe that God speaks. We believe that that's not something that's gone, that's over with. He still speaks to people. He still speaks to, I believe, he speaks to people who aren't even born again yet. He's communicating with people all the time. He's a God that speaks. He's not mute. And so we need to be open to hear him speak, but I think also we need to approach scripture that way, that it's not just something written down on a, in a book for us to reference and you know, kind of try to live by, but it's, it's fresh and it's alive, and he wants to speak freshly to us. So um, I just want to share with you a, a, a time in life in 2008 when I heard God speak. I was actually in a, sitting in a conference, waiting for the conference to begin in Atlanta, Georgia, 
And I felt so clearly in my heart, just a simple phrase, but I just really heard it so clearly. I, I felt that it was God speaking to me. And what I heard was, grow your capacity. And I wrote it down, and I knew that it was a sort of a, a concept that was in Scripture. I had to go find the Scripture. Um, but I wrote it down, and uh, I began to study it out when I got back home. And I believe that this concept of grow your capacity or enlarge your capacity is found in Isaiah 54. So that's the main text that I want to look at this afternoon. Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3. And this was spoken to... Uh, the nation of Israel. The prophet Isaiah spoke this passage to the nation of Israel. It was a directive to them, but we know that Jesus came, and Jesus tore down the division of nationalities. So this prophecy is not just for the nation of Israel. It's for all people of all time. God wants to speak this over all of humanity, and it's for anyone who wants to hear it today. It says, verse 1, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. And that's really the, the phrase that God was speaking to me when he said, enlarge your capacity. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. So what I want to, want to talk tonight or this afternoon about is this concept of grow your capacity or really about living a life bigger than yourself. So this concept, the scripture, began to have a real effect on my life. I really started just thinking about it, praying about it. I read a book on the concept of growing your capacity from the scripture. And God was preparing my heart. I didn't realize it at the time, but God was preparing my heart because a few months later, the door opened for us to actually move to South Africa. And he was preparing my heart to enlarge and, and grow my life to actually include another nation at that time. So his word was working in me. And it was in 2009, um, in January, that we moved after, after having sold everything, um, sold our, our cars and all of our belongings, and moved with six suitcases to Johannesburg, South Africa, with our boys who were one and four at the time. Most of you probably know the story, but there's a few who might not. So we lived in South Africa for eight years. The first three years, we were with a humanitarian organization. And then the last five years, we were leading a church in Santon, Santon City Church. So that scripture had an actual literal impact on my life. God was preparing my heart for something that he wanted to uh, make me bigger to be able to walk into. And uh, just quickly look at verse 3 of this passage, Isaiah 54, verse 3. Um, this word nations, where it says uh, your descendants will inherit the nations. The, anytime that you see the word nations in scripture, that word could actually be interchanged with people. Nations, got, scripture's not really talking about geographical borders. When God talks about the city of Detroit, he's not really talking about the boundary lines of the city. It's about people. When God speaks about nations in scripture, he's interested in the lives of the people that are in those nations. So God speaking to me, enlarging my life to move me to South Africa, enlarging my life to move me to Detroit, God speaking to you tonight saying, grow your capacity, it's about people. It's not really about you. It's not really about me. It's about people that he wants to touch through your life. So that's the context of this scripture. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with one another, we are all kind of on our own mission a lot of the time, I think, especially as Americans. We get very 
focused and we get our tunnel vision. We're very aware of our goals. There's nothing wrong with goals, but we become very aware of the goals that we've set for ourselves. We're very aware of the tasks that we need to get done today or this week. We're very aware of the emotions that are attached to those goals and to those tasks. And we get so focused on ourselves. And we might have really good intentions, but we get very inward, I think, sometimes. And um, there's a reason that you're passionate about the things that you're passionate about. There's a reason that you have the desires that you have. There's a reason that you're good at what you are good at. God's given you those things, but he hasn't really given them to you for you. He's given them to you for others. He's given them to you so that you can use what he's given you to bless others, to take care of others. Um, And I believe that there's a shift that happens when we start to focus less, less on ourselves and make what we're doing about others. There's a shift that happens that begins to grow our capacity. And we'll find that even in the mundane tasks of everyday life, we find such a fulfillment when it's no longer just for me. When it's for you, when it's for others, there's a new fulfillment that comes even in the mundane when we understand that it's not about ourselves. It's for them. It's for others. You know, everyone's looking for a higher purpose. Everyone's searching for what is my call in life. We could boil it down to for others. That's literally what we're here for. We're here for the sake of others. We're here to serve others in any way that we can within any capacity of our lives, the immediate in front of us. That's where we find God's purpose for our lives. But if, you know, as I said, we're very aware of our own tasks. A lot of us probably feel like there's, there's no more that we could add to our plates. A lot of us probably feel like we're doing okay just to make it, to take care of ourselves and our families. So how are we going to grow this capacity to live this life that's bigger than ourselves? You know, and as I'm standing here tonight, I certainly don't have all of this figured out. I want my capacity to be growing and being enlarged as long as I live. But tonight I just want to share with you a couple truths that have helped me to grow my capacity and my understanding in my life. I want to share a couple stories with you. And I also just want to say that it's very important we understand that a big capacity will look different in everyone. A big capacity in me might look completely different than a big capacity in Melanie. A big capacity in Anna might look very different to me. Anna might have a huge capacity to homeschool or my homeschool might be small capacity, you know. Someone might have a huge capacity for business where I may not. So we can't compare ourselves to one another, but I guarantee you, no matter what your capacity is, there's an area in your life where God wants to grow your capacity. He wants to make you bigger on the inside. And so as we look at scripture tonight, I think scripture is often like a mirror that we hold up and it shows us the true condition of our hearts. So as we look at scripture, let's just let God show us the areas where he wants to grow our capacity. And let's unpack this passage of Isaiah 54 a little bit. Let's look at verse 1 again. He says at the beginning, uh, he talks about the barrenness, and he starts with that because he wants to talk about our fruitfulness. And that's what capacity is for. A big capacity is not about being busy. It's not about more activity. That is not what God is asking us to do. God loves to bring fruitfulness from barrenness. I want to read this list of of people to you who were born from barren women in Scripture, okay? All of these people, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist, all of them were born to women who were barren, who could not have children. And even Jesus was born to, to Mary, which was a miracle because she was a virgin. 
So what's my point with that? That all of these nation changers in scripture were born to women or were born out of impossible situations. So wherever there is barrenness in your life, that's actually the place where God wants to bring life. It's actually his specialty. Wherever you feel small, wherever you feel dead, wherever you feel tired, wherever you feel like that part of your life is over, that's actually the very place that he loves to bring life from. So it could be your spiritual life that feels dull and dead this afternoon. It could be that your marriage is feeling that way. It could be a relationship with a child or another family member. It could be your work life. It could be just in the area of relationships in general. It could be even in your time, that your time just feels like it's out of whack. God wants to touch that place and bring life. I want to look at Mary quickly and how she allowed God to enlarge her capacity. If you look in Luke 1, verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That's a pretty big, big vision that God shared with Mary. It was pretty daunting. Verse 34 says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? So it was an impossible situation. And the, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. The Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then look at verse 38. It says, Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So Mary conceived, and her life literally enlarged with a baby, with Jesus, when she said yes. God spoke to her, but she had to say yes. Have you ever thought what would have happened if Mary had not said yes to what God proposed to her? Well, what happens when we don't say yes? to what God asks of us. When God says, this is what I have for you, this is what I want for you, we have to say yes, folks. It doesn't just happen. Mary had to participate by saying, yes, I want that, let it be. You can do that in me. So we need to be hungry to hear what God is saying, and then we need to say yes. And that brings, not activity, brings fruitfulness. We're not looking for busyness. I don't want to be any busier than I am. That's not my goal. I'm looking for fruitfulness in my life. And then verse 2 of this passage, Isaiah 54, verse 2. God says, enlarge or grow your capacity Um, in this verse 2. He says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. So let's just pause there and consider in the history of the Hebrew people, they were nomads or Bedouins. They traveled around the desert and they lived in tents. So I have a picture of a tent, a typical tent that these people would live in. And whenever they would take more people into their home or um, into their lives or whenever they had more children, they would sew flaps, new flaps, into their tent to make the tent larger. So God, the picture he wants to, to speak to us through this passage of scripture is that he wants us to add people to our lives and bring them under the covering of our tent or the shelter of our lives. That's the visual that he's giving us. He wants you to enlarge your life to provide a space and a covering for others. That Hebrew word, if you study the original language there in that scripture, the word enlarge just simply means to make room and open wide. 
And then our English word for capacity means the potential or the suitability for holding and accommodating something. It's about making myself larger in here to contain what's out there. I think this is such a good visual. Courtney and Jason couldn't be here tonight, but you know they are very involved in their neighborhood. They live on the east side of Detroit. They moved down here about four years ago. Um, and they bought a house that was in disrepair. They live on a street where there's drug dealers, crack houses, there's abandoned homes, there's squatters living on their street. And they're involved in tutoring kids and mentoring adults. They're, working, they're reaching out to victims of sex trafficking. They run JJ's house, um, um, and they've had foster children in their home, and they're opening currently a home in their basement for uh, uh, women who are pregnant and don't have anywhere to go. So that, to me, is a very literal picture of this Isaiah 54, 54 scripture where he's saying enlarge your tent. They have literally enlarged their tent. They've literally added rooms to their home. They've liter literally added beds that are going to be filled by others. Okay, so that's a literal picture. But again, a big capacity in them might look different to a big capacity in me or you. But what is God wanting to add to your life? Where is he asking you to make room in your life to bring people under the shelter of your life and what you have to offer and what, where you live? For you, it might mean making space on your calendar to have people over for dinner once a month or once a week. It might mean sharing your finances where there's need around you. It might mean starting with things like providing the weekend meals that we do every time we come to church. We provide weekend meals for kids in Detroit. It might mean being a part of the snack lunches that we pack once a month for uh, the victims of sex trafficking. Um, it might mean being willing to pray for, in secret, the people around you who are hurting and you're aware of their situations at work and that you diligently and quietly pray for them and that you talk to them and ask them how they're doing and that you take time to listen to them and that you offer anything that you have that might al alleviate their pain. There's situations all around us where we can say yes and we can allow our capacity to be made bigger. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not hold good from those who need it if it's in your power to help them. Then verse 2 of Isaiah 54 goes on to stay. Do not spare. And I love that because to me that's just the generous heart of God. I think that is God's heart. It's not sparing. He completely emptied his heart for us. And that's the heart he wants us to have. He says, do not spare. That's our heart posture as Christians. Do not spare. Not a sparing for me heart, but a heart that is open and generous. And then it says, lengthen your cords. So let's just imagine that. If you're going to have a larger tent, it's going to have more flaps sewn into it. It's going to be heavier, right? And those, those cords that hold that tent down in the ground are going to have to be longer. So often when God is wanting to make us bigger, there's a very real stretching that we feel when he's stretching out those cords of our lives. One of the ways that he wants to stretch us is to face our fears with faith. And a lot of times that can feel very unreasonable. As God begins to address fear in your heart, oftentimes it's like, now come on, I didn't know you were going to go there. That is unreasonable. What you're asking of me is completely unreasonable. But often it's as we allow him to stretch us that we begin to understand. 
Oftentimes, it's overcoming fears that have held us back before. Um, Two years ago, while we were living in Johannesburg, I faced an armed robbery, which is a common occurrence, unfortunately, in Johannesburg. Um, It was the first day of the new school year, and we had just dropped the boys off. Happens to be January in that nation, because they start school in January. We just dropped the boys off for their new school year, and I was so excited because I was going to get so much work done now that the boys were back at school, and I was at home in my kitchen. Paul had just left for a meeting, and um, we think the gate was accidentally left open when he left the property because most of the homes in Johannesburg have gates for added security. But I was on my phone, setting up meetings, sending messages, standing in my kitchen, and all of a sudden two men were at the door and they just started coming in. And my first thought was that they were workers who we had asked our landlord to arrange to come and repair some things in the house. And then my first thought was actually, how rude. They are just coming in without knocking, these workers, you know. And then I realized that one of them actually had a gun. And I don't remember what happened next because I think I actually, I didn't black out as in like faint, but I think my mind kind of blocked it out because I was so afraid. But the next thing I knew, I was on the other side of the kitchen, and one of them was saying, don't worry, we're not going to hurt you as long as you cooperate. And I think that's when I kind of came back to my senses, and for whatever reason, I believed him. And um, they stole all my jewelry. They took my wedding ring and my watch. They wanted to know where everything was in the house. And just a few days before, Paul had told us as a family, he had reminded us because of the very real Um, danger of living in Johannesburg, he reminded us, if this ever happens to you, just don't fight. Just go along with it and cooperate. And so that was very present in my thoughts. And I just cooperated. I showed them where everything was, and they took all my jewelry. They took basically anything that was valuable in the house that they could carry away. And um, I remember standing in my bedroom as they were putting all of my jewelry in in um, in a pillowcase. And I was just standing there thinking, What's, what are my kids going to be told today after school? Are they, are they going to have horrible news about their mother? You know, those are the thoughts going through my mind. And in that moment, I just said, God, I don't feel it right now. I don't feel like you're here with me. I didn't have this, like, awesome experience of the presence of God or anything like that. But I just said, I believe you are here with me. And I realized that I did feel in that moment, just strangely numb, and like there was this shield almost that was protecting me physically, but also my mind and my emotions, and just, I was so calm. I was completely calm. So they left me in my bathroom. They closed the door. They didn't harm me at all, thank God, Um, and it was over like in 10 minutes, and they were gone, and they took my phone that I had been on when when they came in, and I had actually been texting my mom in the moment that they walked into the kitchen, And I was telling her about John David's first day at school and how he was a little upset because he wasn't in a class with his friends. And a week later, I got a new phone. And, you know, when you get a new phone, uh, the text messages that you've missed, they all start coming in. So I started receiving all these things that I had missed in the previous week. And I got the response that my mom sent me in that moment as I was being robbed, as 
um, that was happening, her reply to me when I had made that statement about John David was, she said, you know, that just reminds me of a situation that happened with your brother years ago. And I was praying for him because I didn't know how to help him. I, I couldn't reach him. He was in California, and I was in South Africa, and I couldn't be there for him. And she said, I just prayed, and I felt like God said, don't worry, my eyes are always on your children. That's what my mother texted to me in the moment that I was being robbed. And that was just amazing to me. And, I, and it's like God was showing me, like I was mentioning earlier during worship, I feel like God wants to show us how he's present in our lives, even when we don't realize it. And it's like God want, just gave me that picture. That's where I, I was there with you, Minda. I was so present there with you. And then I realized about a week later also that that had happened on the six-year anniversary of us moving to South Africa to the day January 15th had been exactly six years since we had moved to South Africa. And for whatever reason in our lives, we have felt that God has often used dates and numbers to kind of speak to us. So I had just started this reading plan at the beginning of January, reading through the Bible, and I was in the bathtub when I realized that the date matched. And I was like, Paul, when I get out of the bathtub, I am going to go see, just because I'm curious, what 115, because we were living in South Africa, and they write the date 115 instead of, no, they write the date 15 one. We write 115. They write 15 one. They, they write the date and then the month. So the date was 15 one. So I said, I'm just, I was in the book of Genesis and I said, I'm just going to go see what F Genesis 15 one says. And I opened it up and I was like, no ways. It says, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. And I just laughed and I said, okay, I get the picture, God. I get the picture. And you're trying to show me something here. And I really decided that night in that moment, you know, I had been numb for about a week. I was, you go through something like that that's traumatic and it just, it does affect you. But in that moment, I felt like God wanted to show me that he had been with me. And I made a decision that I was not going to live in fear. And I made a decision that I wasn't going to allow anything to take hold of my heart or my thoughts and limit my life. And I can honestly say to you today that I have less fear than I did before that situation happened in my life. And that's only because I allowed God to show me how he had been with me. And I allowed God to walk me through that experience. And I know now that that situation could have limited me. I didn't realize that God was going to ask us a, few couple, a couple years later, less than two years later, to move to the crime capital of the USA. I didn't know that God was going to say, okay, now that you've done Johannesburg, I want you to go to Detroit, you know. And I could have said, no, that's enough of this, God. I'm not going anywhere else dangerous. I'm not going to do anything else that's requiring this of me. But because I didn't allow my heart to settle in a place of fear, I, that did not limit my capacity. So the very areas where we fear, even in our fears, if we'll give those fears to God, those are the very areas where he can actually stretch and grow our capacity to where we're limited and we actually have fear. That can become the very area where we're fearless if we'll give those fears to him and those cords of our tent get stretched. Hannah, I just want to move over to um, Psalm 119, verse 32. My capacity is also stretched. Those cords of my tent are stretched in my relationship with God by knowing him. I don't have this verse on there, but there's a scripture that says that God is so big that he inhabits eternity. 
That's how big he is. And we get our, we get our DNA from him. We get our image. He's, we're made in his image. So we're like him. So we can have a big capacity like him. But Psalm 119 verse 32 says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. It's God really who stretches us and makes us bigger than we are. I want to show you this painting, this famous painting of um, the hand of God, Michelangelo's painting. And in this picture, God's hand is reaching, but it's, the hu- it's God's hand on the right, and it's the human hand on the left. The human hand is limp. God's hand is reaching, and the human hand is limp. God is reaching for us. He's reaching for relationship with, ha- with us. But we need to reach back. We need to stretch ourselves out and allow him to stretch us and reach back to him. How do we reach? How do we respond to God? How do we let our relationship with him grow our capacity? I would encourage you to start wherever you're at. If it is five minutes of your day, give that to him. I'm telling you what he can do in five minutes of just attention on him is amazing. Um, for me, something that works is to go to a certain spot in my house every day. I mean, when I get out of bed in the morning, I get a cup of coffee, and I sit in a particular chair. And I just sit there for 30 minutes, and sometimes I read scripture, sometimes I pray. Whatever works for you, it doesn't have to look the same for anybody. It can be worship. It can be whatever connects you to him because it's a relationship. And if all you have is five minutes, he will take those five minutes, and he will stretch you. And he will give you a bigger heart and a bigger vision. He'll make you bigger on the inside. But give him whatever you have to work with, and he will grow you. Because we get a big capacity from him. Another thing I like to do is to to stretch, uh, that I feel that stretches my capacity and my relationship with him, is just simply to pray through my day. As I sit there in the morning, whatever I've got going on that day, I'll just pray through it. I'll just say, God... I've got this on, and Paul's doing this, and Peter's got this at school, and oh yeah, I know so-and-so has this today, and -and so-and-so's worried about this, and I'll just pray through those situations of the day. And as I face those situations later on in the day, I have courage because I've already talked to God about those things. When I walk into that meeting, when I walk into that situation, I already have spoken with God about that, and I know that he's there with me. And that stretches our capacity. And just giving him those few minutes Whatever time of day you can, maybe it's in your car, maybe it's while you're doing laundry, maybe it's while you're working out. When we give him that time, we're filled with who he is. We're filled with his presence, and his presence enlarges us. Anna, I'd like to go back to the slide that has Isaiah 54 verse 2 on it again. I just want to look at the last part of that verse, too. It says, strengthen your stakes. Okay, so we've got the bigger tent, right? And we've got the cords that are stretching out uncomfortably, unreasonably. But to have a bigger tent and longer cords, those stakes, those tent pegs that go in the ground, they need to be bigger and they need to be stronger, right? If you're putting up a bigger tent, the the tent pegs are going to be bigger. And it says, strengthen your stakes. So how do we do that? How do we support the increased weight of what God wants to grow us into? Ephesians 3, I love this, verse 16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, being rooted and grounded in love. We need to drive our stakes, the stakes of our life, down into God's love. 
Is it really that simple? I, I believe that's where it starts. I believe that's really where strength comes from, in the knowledge that we are loved. When you really believe that you are loved, it, becomes, it starts to unlock the potential capacity of your life. There's a strength that comes from that. There's a stability that comes from knowing that you are loved, that we all need. If I know I'm loved, I'm secure, I'm strong, and when I can drive my stakes down deep into that love, as deep as I can, it shows up in an added strength in my life. Every time that my life has enlarged to include more, whether it be marriage or having kids or leading a church, moving to another nation, making new friends, whatever I've had to grow into, every time that's happened, there's had to be a corresponding strength underground to see me through that. So we, we can't think that we can just grow more, give more time, give more energy, get, you know, take more on, um, have more of ourselves flowing out without that corresponding strength going deeper into the ground because the weight won't be supported if we don't allow that strength to, be, to go down into the ground. So love comes from God, our creator, but it's also expressed through human relationships that we have. Life-giving, healthy relationships that we, that we gain love from, that we gain strength from. That's the context where we're supposed to live our lives. And I feel like so often people don't have the stability that they need to really walk out what they're supposed to do because they don't have real relationships. They don't connect themselves relationally. They don't allow the stakes to go down deep into the ground of relationship. That is so important. It's not just our relationship with God because the, one of the main ways that we receive the love of God is through one another. That's one of the main things, that, one of the main ways that that happens. And I believe one of the main ways that God has designed for that to happen is through the local church. I love this verse. This, is, this could be, I don't know if this is my favorite verse in the Bible, but it's right up there with them. Isaiah 9, I mean, Psalm, Psalm 92 verse 13 and 14, says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I've seen over and over again when people are willing to plant themselves in local church, their lives become rooted, their lives become stronger, their lives become bigger when they plant themselves in a community of believers, they become part of a stabilizing force that is not the, just for this generation, but for every generation to come. When your stakes or tent pegs are planted in local church, you can support a larger capacity because it's not just your own strength then. It's the strength of one another. And here's the thing that's hard, I think, for us about local church because when we plant ourselves like a seed in the ground, that seed gets covered up and it kind of disappears, and it's dark in there. And for a while, you kind of feel forgotten because you become absorbed in something bigger than yourself. But little by little, you see green popping through the soil, and then eventually brilliant color. The uniqueness of you will only be seen, I believe, when you're planted. It's only going to fully grow up into what it was supposed to be when we're willing to plant ourselves in local church. I've seen it over and over again. Like, actually, you can watch it happen in someone's life. When they become planted in local church, their life changes. New growth happens. New opportunities. New strength. New vision. New ideas. Health happens. Just they become a healthier person. 
And it's because I believe the scripture is God's way. And I love what it says at the end of that scripture, that even in old age, they will still be bearing fruit. If we want to be relevant in our old age, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to be fresh, as it says, and flourishing in our old age, we need to plant our lives so that we can actually grow up and live where he's planted us. I think a really important part of us growing our capacity also, though, is protecting and stewarding the capacity we already have. And I think that's something that we so often overlook. And in this tent analogy that we've looked at in Isaiah 54, yes, we need to make our tent bigger. But that, that the walls of that tent or the curtains of that tent, they actually, they're, they're in place. There, there are curtains, there are borders, there are boundaries of that tent. And that's because we're not infinite. As individuals living in, in this time on this earth, we are finite, and God has called us to live within a certain time and space. So there are boundaries to my tent. Um, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way with sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. It says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither and whatever they do prospers. So that key word there is season. To protect or steward my capacity, I need to know what season I'm in. I need to know the boundaries of my season of life that I'm in. What, is, what I mean by that is what is the priority of this season of my life? What is God asking that my priority be? Just because I can do something does not mean that I should. Just because I can chair that committee, just because I can plan that event, just because my kid can play five different sports well, doesn't mean that I actually should or that he actually should in the season of his life. We need to teach our children how to steward their capacities as well. Um, there's an author and a speaker that I have read some of her stuff, and sh- her name is Havila Cunnington. She says, the only way to have a strong yes is to have a strong no. What is a strong yes? Strong yes is to be able to say yes like Mary did to God, that when God asks something of me that is within the boundaries that he has set for me, that I can say yes because I haven't used up all my capacity. That when my husband asks something of me or when my children need something from me, that I can say yes because I've said no to the other things that I'm not supposed to be giving my time to in this season of my life. For, I think this is really important for all of us right now that are here at Border City Church. If God has called us to this for this season, there might be some other things that we need to say no to to do this. Just makes sense, right? And you know what happens if we don't say no? Then our bodies start to say no. Our marriages start to say no. Our health starts to say no. Areas of our lives start to break down and say, Stop! No, you can't do all of it all at once. So it's important that we know what season that we're in and that we steward what the capacity that we've already been given. So we've got this picture of an enlarged life, an enlarged tent, people coming under the covering of our lives. We're, we're willing to make ourselves bigger, but we need to also have something to give them. We need to have, if people are coming under the covering of your tent, it's because you've got something that can help them, okay? So we've got to make sure that we've got enough for ourselves, that we've got enough to give away to others. Um, And that, I think, has to do with managing our capacity. 
if you're taking notes on your phone or whatever, you might just want to write a couple of th these things down that have really helped me. I think our lives, there's different areas of our lives that are kind of like cups that we fill, teacups. They're like cups that we fill, and, and we all have different cups as individuals. My cups are different from your cups, but we all have these cups, and some of our cups, um, well, let me just read the scripture first. Psalm 23, verse 5 says, my cup overflows, okay? That's something that God has for us that we know that he wants to fill our cup, whatever we need. He wants to give us more than enough. He doesn't want us to be without or on empty, right? Have you ever been in the car and the E, the empty starts flashing or the red you're on empty, right? And sometimes that happens in our life, in, our, in a particular area of our life. It's like, I'm on empty. Like you get home after work and your kid wants you and your husband wants you and you got to make dinner and you're like, don't touch me, don't look at me, don't ask me for anything. I am on empty, you know, overload. So we all have these cups in our lives, these different needs, and we need to know what those cups are. You need to know what your cups are and you need to manage that there's enough in that cup, not only for you, but for the people that are under the shelter of your tent. So these, this is what I want you to write down. These are the different cups. We all have cups that need to be filled every day. Write down every day. And it might be different for you than it is for me. For me, some of those things, I need to connect with God in some way every day. I know I need that. I need to connect with my spouse every day in some way. Even if I'm away, I need a text message or something. That's something that I need. Then the next one is every week. We all have cups that need to be filled every week. It could be something like time with friends that fills that cup for you. It could be exercise. That might be something that fills your cup. And then another cup is every month. The frequency is every month that this cup needs to be filled. It could be things like a hobby or a creative outlet that you enjoy, something that just really like, gives life back into who you are. And then we all have cups that need to be filled once a quarter. It could be the nature, you know, something outdoors, um, something that you need maybe like once a quarter. You just need that experience regularly in your life to fill your cup. And then once a year, usually there's something like that for all of us. Could be travel or a family vacation, things that are important to us to happen once a year. Because you can only give what you have. And if you're expecting to give away to people that are, have come under the shelter of your life, but you don't have anything to give, you know, if you don't have it, you can't give it away. So I really had to to learn a new way a couple years ago. We, had, we were in a situation when we were leading church in South Africa where the, the, there were a couple on, on team with us and somebody had cancer, somebody's business was going through a difficulty and they had to step down from the team. They weren't leading with us at the time. And so everything was kind of on me and Paul and we were slugging it out and we weren't taking care of ourselves and we were tired and I especially was not managing well. And I really had to learn how to face some of these things and learn how to take care of myself better, learn how to manage my capacity better. And when I first started looking into these things and realizing that I had to fill these different cups in my life, because I'd never really looked at that before, when I first started looking at it, I felt selfish. You know, like, what? I've got to take time for myself. I've got to actually intentionally pour into my cup. It felt wrong to me. But I began to realize that I needed to do this for the sake of others, that you are a better you when you, fill, when you allow your cups to be fulled, filled, when you allow them to be overflowing, you're a better wife, you're a better husband, you're a better mother or father, you're a better friend, you're a better coworker when you're not on empty. 
How can we be good stewards of those that God wants to bring into our lives? You know, we're here in Detroit for a reason. We're here in Detroit because there are people that God cares about who are in need, in desperate need. And we have got to be diligent to make our lives bigger so that he can bring them under the covering of our lives. But if we're on empty in the areas of our lives, we won't have anything to give. And I believe this season of us gathering here, a lot of us are already Christians and believers and far along in our walk with God. I feel that this season is really for us to be getting that area ready, just sort of filling up our tanks, filling up our cups, and being ready to give something away because we can only give what we have. So it's not selfish. It's not for you. Remember, it's for them. Everything that God has for you is not actually just for you. It is for you, but it's not just for you. It's for them. It's for giving away to people. So I just want to quickly do this teacup analogy. Paul, do you mind helping me with the water? So if this is one of the cups in your life, or you can even say this teacup is your life, and pour a little bit in there. Okay, you can stop. So there's a little bit of, I don't know, inspiration, something I got from my relationship with God, or something that's just really filled my emotional tank. And people come and they drink from my cup. You know, my kids come and they want something from me. And people come at work and they need something from me. And friends come and they drink because I have something to give. But before too long, I'm on empty again. So this idea of God filling our cup to overflow, go ahead and pour. The idea is, some, a friend of mine showed me this a couple years ago, and it has just helped me so much, that we become so full that we go to overflowing, like God says in his word. He promises us that. Okay, you can stop. He says that he wants to fill our cup to overflowing, and the idea is that people can come and drink from our saucer and not from our cup because we have an overflow. So when we have time with God that there's more than enough for me, when I have time with my friends and they fill my cup, my emotional cup, that it's more than enough for me, I can go and give some of that away too and love on some other people. Whatever it is that fills our cups, that it's this idea that it's not just that, okay, I got what I need. No, that we get filled to overflowing so that we have something to give away. Thanks. So maybe that's just a visual um, that will help you tonight. I really just want to emphasize, you know, that as I said, in this, in this time right now for Border City Church, God, I think, wants to deal with any place where we're small, any place where we're barren, any place where we're dead. He wants to bring life. He wants to make us bigger. And he just wants us to be willing. You know, I think that's what God wants more than anything, is people who are willing to say, God, use me. I will be a place of shelter. I will be a place of covering. And it starts with whatever need is around us. Wherever we see need, wherever we can make a difference, wherever we can share love, that's what God's asking us to do. And it's as we do that that he's going to grow our capacity. And he's going to entrust us with much, much more. He's going to add people to us. And he's going to let people come under our covering as individuals, but under our covering as a church, too. He wants to add to us. And he wants this blessing that we have together to be the, for the benefit of others, too. So let's let that happen. Very good. Thank you, Mins. That's awesome. Kurt, would you mind just kind of um, giving us a little bit of musical backdrop? I would like to give an opportunity to respond um, just in faith. And maybe if, if, uh, if you don't mind or if, if it would help, if you want to stand. 
and, um, and just respond to what was speaking to your heart. Uh, there's a lot of content that Minda just went through. A lot of it may speak into a lot of different scenarios for a lot of different people with different life situations, personalities, weaknesses, etc., etc. I just feel like God was speaking to several people, and it would be good to um, to just respond. So, Lord, we we want to thank you for the that we're not just playing church. We're not just playing games. Lord, everything that we're doing right now is because you have spoken. And you have uh, spoken of the call that you have called us to in this city. And the, the call is real. And Lord, we want to grow our capacity to be able to walk in the things that we're already carrying in our lives. Our jobs and our children and our responsibilities but also enlarge our heart to be able to bring people under the, the shelter of our tent, of our lives, of our care. That this city would, according to your word, would actually be rebuilt. Not just the buildings. People in this city, their lives would be rebuilt. Surely if that is to happen, it is going to happen because you send people to be involved in rebuilding lives. So, Lord, we just open up our hearts right now to you to, to make the adjustments. We respond in faith to you.